What's up, Actories? Welcome to Cold Read. We have a very special guest today, Jacob Garwood in the house. What's up, Jacob? How's it going? Doing good. How about yourself? Dude, so good. And so great to have you on the show. I'm also here. I'm Nick. Nick! I'm also on. uh, I'm also in this. I'm in this episode, guys. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, dude, Nick, what are we going to be talking about today? Today, in this episode of Cold Read with me <laughs> we will be ta- we will be talking about francis ford coppola's apocalypse now a great holiday movie uh, a, 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 a movie for the whole family it's a movie for the boys the it's boys. a movie for the boys for and also you boys. know what i you know what i just found out today and you know what i just read like literally a few minutes before we started talking it's National Men's Day. <laughs> it's Men's Day, my dudes. Wow. Men's Day, my dudes. For so the what, boys. Dude, this is for the boys. Yeah, this is What's a boys boy? episode. And we're not even talking about the boys TV show here, all right? No, we're talking about Apocalypse Now, people. Yeah, come on. So, come Jacob, on. Catch up. Catch know. up. Catch up. Come on. Come on. So Jacob, I got I to gotta know why, why you chose this movie to talk about. So... I've always kind of had a fascination with that period, the Vietnam era of history, because that was kind of a massive turning point between what America is now and what America was like in the 50s and 40s, boomer era kind of stuff. Um, And I ended up taking a class in high school on the Vietnam War. And I was talked to a lot from the teacher about like, it's it's completely inaccurate. It's completely inaccurate. I'm not going to show it. And it was like sophomore year of college when I finally like stumbled upon it and I watched it. And I think there's just such an insane amount of really fascinating artistic choices done with it. And so much to talk about politically, about the timing of it, about about what Francis Ford Coppola was trying to do because he's been somewhat nebulous about his, his goal in making the movie. Um, so there, there's just a lot to unpack and a lot to uh, to talk about as far as everything from the politics to the to the art to the acting. It's it's a goldmine. It's just fascinating. Yeah, and I think you you really struck on something really special there. That like you know what was Francis Ford Coppola trying to say in this movie? Because it's not just one thing. So it, it'll be interesting to kind of talk about that for a bit. And the, the strange thing to unpack is he was quoted by in saying that it was not it, it was not anti-war. Right, it was anti-lie. Yeah, that's what I, that's I, I, I. That's what he. That's what he said at least in that quote. Yeah, that's interesting because it, it felt a little anti-war, which would make sense because the, the Vietnam War is so like frowningly looked. And upon, I think yeah, you know? and I think you're right but, about that, Hunter. It, it it does feel like that. Uh, but it's also just kind of showing it how it is. It's it's interesting because going into it with with the background I had learning about this teacher I had was extraordinary. She was friends with multiple Vietnam vets as well as museum curators. So the walls were like covered in Vietnam era like actual used gear, and we had we had veterans coming in and talking to us. So I had this like pretty firsthand account of certain aspects of it like only a few peoples but nevertheless people who were there and going into it while I was watching it again now kind of being much older and smarter about the artistic side of things 
I started to kind of look at it, look at it less, less of a war movie and more of a psychological thriller that happens to take place during a war. And Great. something that I, I think he was trying to do, I mean, we're never going to know unless we're Francis Ford Coppola, but right. we could talk to him. We could, uh, I think I have his email. I think yeah, we shoot, yeah. him text, shoot him a text. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, that he was trying to make the audience feel what they were feeling. Because the farther into the jungle they get, the more separated from reality everything gets from the way things look to the distortion of the music in the background to the colors, everything, even the camera angles, everything kind of distorts. And I think he also does in the same way that Game of Thrones kind of did this, he makes sure that from the top, you know you're never safe. Right. Yeah. When they're like, you know, playing around on the boat, playing with the smoke grenades, smoking weed, dropping acid, and it seems like they're having a fun time, you're still unsettled because you know what's hiding behind the trees. So you never get a second. And it's long. It's two and a half hours. And the new version's almost, <laughs> the new version's three hours. Yeah, there's two. After, in the middle of watching it, actually, I was like, oh, there's two versions of this. There's the uh, final cut, which is like over three hours. And then yeah. there's the. Right or no? Is the final cut the the most recent cut? I think so. There's like there's like and a then there's cut a, and then a completely uncut. Yeah, I think I think it's called Apocalypse Now, uh, Dukes or or uh, something like that. Or something. maybe I made that up. But um, but yeah, there's a, there's like a couple of cuts of this movie. Like yeah, it's crazy. Uh, before That's... we before we even talk more about what the hell happens in this movie, uh, Jacob, your overall thoughts. Uh, uh, on the movie, I would I would love to know uh, just like you know overall. So I, I've always been a fan of the the choice in theater and in film to purposefully make an audience uncomfortable in their seats, and I think that's something this does really brilliantly in a way that it kind of immerses you in the world and kind of forces you to go insane with the people going through this journey, and I think. Um, and I was actually saying this, I got to catch up with my Vietnam era teacher the other day, actually talking about this movie. And something we talked about is the fact that we sat there and talked for an hour just about the historical context of it. And the fact that you can unpack so much in just one movie, it, it forces you to think, it forces you to talk, it forces you to reevaluate historical events and put yourself in them. It just speaks to the merit of it. And then on top of that, just all these small aspects that that kind of built this slightly left to center world um left to center of reality and uh kind of this myth that they build throughout i find really fascinating the way that they built that interesting uh hunter what are yeah. your uh, thoughts overall especially first time too right uh, yes. watching this movie yeah 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 so what so what are your thoughts on it the, the first time watching it and it is the first time because I I know that this movie is considered like a classic and I've always been like, I don't want to watch it because what if it's not, you know, that good. And it's really but, long. And it's crazy long. But also, I, I was really surprised with uh, the cast. The cast is amazing. Like it's Yeah, Robert I, had no, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Robert Duvall, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, uh, Martin Sheen. When I saw Martin Sheen, I was like, is that Charlie Sheen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but no, I really, I really did enjoy it. Uh, as uncomfortable as I was the entire time uh, I was watching it. Um, and I thought that it looked like it was filmed yesterday. I thought that it looked amazing. Like I was like, why is this so 
clear and look so good. Like, and all of the action sequences look so good, even though it was filmed in the 70s. And I thought that that was kind of amazing. Um, But yeah, no, I I really liked it. I don't think it's perfect. Uh, And I, I do see why it's a classic because of the cast. But yeah, I, I liked it. Interesting. Nicholas? Uh, yes. Uh, first, also, also first time uh, watching uh, Apocalypse <laughs> Now. I don't know what where this voice I'm a came from. I'm a first timer over here. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've heard nothing but praise for this movie. But I, I was just kind of intimidated by the running time. I think I was like, all right, if I want, if I'm gonna watch this movie, I need to like really like watch it. I can't just like kind of be in and out. I have to just sit down and like watch the whole thing, you know, and pay attention. Um, and it's definitely one of those movies uh, that requires your attention, I think, in a brilliant way. I think it's a brilliant movie. It's uh, it, it's funny you, you say, Hunter, that it's a uh, you, you say it's what, what that it was a popular movie because of its cast. Right. That's what. You yeah, said. that's right. Yeah, I would disagree. I think it's it's popular because of its ideas and it's popular, I think, with what it's trying to say. And also, I think the the cinematography, you you, you nailed it, you nailed it on the head, Hunter. I think this has to be like at least like one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. It, it there's so much going on uh, on screen in the background in the foreground. Uh, it's just like you're. It, it really feels like you're there. I don't know if did they film it in Vietnam? I'm not sure. Sure, but but as far as the cinematography goes, there's actually there's a lot of hidden significance and a lot of what's going on in in the background and a lot of reality in, in what's going on in the background. Well, regardless, I think it's very convincing, even if they didn't film it in Vietnam. It, I think it's super convincing. I, yeah, you're kind of just going insane with these characters, and by the end, he it's a it's about a man who does his mission, but at what cost? Like he yeah. did it. You know, like he did, like, I don't know, the whole time I was like, is he actually going to like do it? Like, is he actually going to go meet Marlon Brando and kill him? And he does, but it just hits different after everything you, you've been through. And so I think it's a pretty perfect movie. If I'm being honest, it's a, I, 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 I loved it wholeheartedly and we'll get into why uh, we love it. I I love it so much and why you love it, Jacob, and why you merely like it a lot, (laughs) Hunter. (laughs) Well, you know, Nick, it's no Empire of the Sun, you know. Oh my fucking <laughs> god! I'm gonna, I'm gonna hop <laughs> onto your screen. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, Hilarious. Oh gosh. All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's talk more. Uh, uh, what are so, what okay? Are, yeah, yeah. No, something uh, I thought was really interesting because I had no idea that, that was uh, Lawrence Fishburne like yeah it took me a minute i was like because i was watching it i was watching it with my dad and he was like you know who that is and i was like what who (laughs) (laughs) you know how dude you know how old he was while filming this he was Was he 17 14 14. started filming it he's 14 and and because it took so long by the time of its release he was 17 whoa so there's some shots where he's 14 and some shots where he's 17 yeah isn't that crazy hell of a first movie too that's one hell of a way to start a career yeah damn you know when you're 14 and you're acting your ass off in a movie with martin sheen 
directed by Fanc- <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, like what? Director of The on? Godfather. <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn, dude, he he was crazy in it. He um, killed it too. Like, I if you had told me it was like twenty four and looked young, I would have bought it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then Robert Duvall, also an amazing uh, performance. Had yeah, no he he's not in it a lot, but he when it, when he was in it in the first like hour or so, like you like it was very uh, substantial. Like what he has yeah. to say, what he's doing, it's just like so clear without ever like dumbing down like who this guy is. You just kind of get to experience who this guy is yeah. for like thirty yeah. minutes, like attacking that town in a brilliant, I think, brilliant sequence uh, attacking a village in uh, in uh, South Vietnam? Um, I'd, I'd assume so, because if they were so comfortable flying in there, it would be, because um, we, we generally kind of had a hold on the South until, you know, they, they completely destroyed us in Saigon um, in 75. But um, if we were going into the North, it would have been you wouldn't have messed around messed around up there because that's where all the all the real shit was right yeah i think that was a brilliant sequence i mean like obviously it's famous for them playing you know uh, uh wagner you know on yeah. in the uh in the helicopters but like mm-hmm. even even without that it's such a brilliant sequence like it's so expertly shot and it, it just feels so lived in and, and once again it feels like you're actually in a war zone right now which which is why this movie is kind of a miracle because it it, it really like you can't do this movie anymore because like it the the budget would just be all over the I, actually it's funny the behind the scenes the it was all over the place like they they were having so many issues behind mm-hmm. the scenes yeah. so literally you probably can't make this movie again even if you tried like it's like it's literally a miracle yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that, um, that sequence that um in the town, there's one thing, and this this was something I wanted to bring up because I had no idea that this was a true story. But that guy that was holding the plate to his stomach, that apparently actually happened, and there was a VC soldier who had gotten shot, and instead of like just allowing himself to die, he took a belt and belted a plate to his stomach so like he wouldn't bleed out and like things wouldn't fall out, and he fought for three days. That's, That's a crazy. Story. Oh, so that was because uh, that was the scene where it was like, oh, he's bleeding out or whatever. He's like the guys on the ground and he's, yeah, he's like, like picking him, him up. Water, like, yeah, he's in a fight like that, just give him the water. He's earned it. Right. So that's the guy yeah. that that they were yeah, trying to show. Like okay, a, a real thing that had happened, and I had wow. no idea. I thought that was something fictional, but I think that's something that the movie really succeeded in. And um, you, you also have to admire the the guts it took to do it so shortly after the war had ended. Is it was very unapologetic about the brutalness of what happened over there yeah like like those piles of of like dead people or the like they'd be like going down yeah like him throwing him throwing the cards on the dead bodies and everything like that and one of them's like a kid it's like oh my god yeah that stuff happened and and like even when they're like going down the river in cambodia um when they pass like the occasional body hanging from a tree they would do that to scare people this was stuff that people just lived with when they were over there and the crazy thing about the cambodia stuff which i i didn't know until i had that conversation yesterday was um aside from bombing the hell out of cambodia which was the reason why the kent state protests happened believe it or not was because we found out we were bombing in cambodia um so my teacher who i who i met with the other day is now an administrator in a different district 
and she had her history teacher come as well. And apparently his father did covert operations in Vietnam. And apparently there were quite a lot of covert operations that happened in Cambodia during that war. No, no like full fledged battalions going out there to battle. They'd bomb, but they also had a lot of top secret covert things going on there because that's where the supply chain went because they knew legally as far as international law went, we weren't allowed over there. So the VC would just be a Kong would just cross over the border just over the north, uh, the line between North and South Vietnam and carry it into the jungle through Cambodia to avoid us. Interesting. Wow. It's a, it, it also just shows like, you know, just like other sides and other perspectives of the war and everything. Yeah. And I think the movie does, I think also a brilliant job at that because it's mostly, you know, we're mostly following the Americans, but I think like, they're just like little bits and pieces here and there. Like, uh, uh, what, what, uh, they call the enemy uh, Charlie, right? Yeah, which is um, which is I I don't remember what the the name of it is, but you know how like the the army has like a word for every letter in the alphabet. It's C mm-hmm. for Viet Cong, which which was the guerrilla army. So there were there were two armies in the north, the North Vietnamese, which was like the official like Vietnamese army, and then the Viet Cong, who were like if you notice in that in that town there were people running away dressed in all black. Oh, that's what okay. the Viet Cong were and they would um like I don't know if you ever heard of the, the tunnels in Vietnam but there were like tunnels where they would like smuggle things and they'd leave booby traps in the jungles and do like ambushes in the middle of the night like they they were the really scary people because they weren't fighting a war like we had ever fought before which is why it went so bad for us yeah I mean like, like it's a it's a, a yeah let's talk about that I mean brilliantly I think this 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 movie shows that this war was an absolute disaster an absolute mess. Like literally, there was, uh, like, there's that scene where uh, all, one of the best visual scenes, by the way, where they go to that uh, bunker or whatever, and they're like shooting, you know, uh, the enemy, the uh, uh, Vietnamese people, and uh, and also uh, back to nicknames. I think they called the Americans what uh, something C. Um, uh, they were screaming them out like, "Hey, you see, you see." Is it UC or was it something else? I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think I, I don't think yeah. I caught that to be honest. Okay, well I caught it and I just <laughs> I just forgot the nickname. Uh, but regardless, I, uh, they they have nicknames for us too, which yeah. was I think an interesting kind of you know side to it too. You know, yeah they call they call them Charlie, but they call them also nicknames and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, in that whole sequence with just like explosions in the background and the wires, like, you know, like you can see them, uh, you know, just kind of shaking around, making noises. It's just like a mess. And then they go to that bunker and they're like, where's your commanding officer? And they're like, aren't you, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And basically showing that they're just kind of shooting people to shoot people. It's fucking nuts. And that was, that was a terrifying thing about it too, because it's the first and I'm pretty sure last war we ever fought where it wasn't fought by territory, but by body count. Jesus. So like people would, we, we would like go up to some outpost, like just clear it out and burn it to the ground, but then we just leave it there and go back. And then everybody would come and fill back up again. So nothing ever really happened ground wise. It was just about how, and if you want to, you know, if you consider win body count, which who does, that's a horrible thing to do. Technically we won because we had better weapons and we killed more people, but that's not really winning because 
Saigon's Ho Chi Minh City now. They won. They got what yeah. they wanted. Um, <laughs> we lost. But yeah, and the, the whole point of that was we we were cocky. We had never lost a war before, so we fought it like we were in Europe, and they destroyed us because we tried fighting like we were in Europe. Right. It's like and, it's so it's so expertly clear to me that like they're people that don't belong here. You know, that they're just kind of taking what they want in a strange land just because they can. And hey, doesn't that make you think about other things? Yes. <laughs> like, how, like, how, like how America started? Exactly. And I think something they did beautifully, too, is um, a huge reason that people talk about now um, why we lost is, is desire to actually be there and win. The people who were fighting in the North were genuinely fighting for something they believed in and wanted. And by the time, you know, by the time, like, 69 rolled around, the Tet Offensive had happened. Nobody wanted to go over there because everyone was dying. And um, the people who were there didn't want to be there and didn't care. Which is, yeah. is, when it comes down to anything, you know, war or not, any any sort of in- endeavor a person wants to go after, if, if you're not invested, the people who are invested are going to win. And they, they did not care if they were going to die. They were just going to throw themselves at the Americans until they went away. Yeah, they were persistent. And I think uh, in a really beautiful uh, Marlon Brando monologue, uh, by the end of the movie, I, he says something about like, like, they use spears, or they use, uh, they use like diamonds, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. weapons or whatever, right? Like sharp weapons, like, like not guns, not what we have, yeah. you know what I mean? They, yeah. they have these, you know, in comparison, you know, very primitive uh, weapons, and they fight anyway. And I think that's an interesting thing that he was talking about. And we'll get more into Marlon Brando later, yeah. I think. But but I but yeah, I think like yeah, it just says something about the other side too, without without like uh you know, uh forcing it down your throat. Yeah, and they're willing yeah. to do things that we're not willing to do. And I and I think we're not willing right. to do them for very good reason. You know, it, it's Right. It's because there's that scene. Oh sorry, uh, uh go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's impossible to say any side was in the right. We we both did. No, but but I think this movie, in a lot of ways, show how wrong we were. Yeah, because that's we're the perspective for the most part. Yeah, but, I, but yeah, but you know they they weren't just like innocent people either. Like I, there's a there's a very important important scene i think where like you know the there's that woman going by the helicopter and she has a bomb you know and blows it up so like you know because at first i was like oh like all these innocent people like oh this is sad but then that happens i'm like oh wait okay (laughs) you know it's like maybe i shouldn't completely feel that way because then they play on your kind of expectation and then they kill you well because they were trying to kill us too you know yeah, well, exactly, they exactly. There to, yeah. That's something so, I think they did super well, too, because the people in the Viet Cong didn't wear uniforms. They were the person <laughs> they could They could have been anyone, you know what I mean? The it's not It's not obvious who were fighting. Yeah, it was the yeah. person who sold you the mango last week, you know what I mean? And, and that's not even exaggeration in any way. And that that, I think, was not just, I mean, accurate, but it was integral in in making this experience this movie what it was because it established from a very early point that unless they're in an american uniform or on that boat you can't trust them right yeah and I, which, and I oh sorry yeah go ahead hunter well uh in that scene where they came across that boat and they like searched their food and stuff oh. like that and didn't find anything and then like the woman moved to go like after the dog <laughs> oh and they God. just fucking lit him up 
And it was like, well, they didn't know what they were going after. It's off an awful scene. Exactly. Oh, like, it's uh, it's terrifying. Was going after, after after I was done with it, I was I was uh, I was like, if if there was a scene that showed what that war was all about, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, and especially, it's it's uh, so terrible, and especially because like they the Americans like they didn't really want to be there like they were i think they yeah. were kind of just there because well that's what you did that's what yeah let's uh, yeah let's go into did. let's go into some of the characters like there's chef who clearly oh. does not want to be there and what a tragedy he is because you know he he just wanted to be a cook you know he just wanted to be a saucier yeah. and instead he uh gets his head ripped off and, and that was yeah that was so much um an issue back then i mean you you hear about draft dodgers left and right and it was because and and the way they did it was terrifying and i remember um it's it's one of the most memorable experiences of my childhood when i was in this vietnam era class and um essentially what they did is it was a lottery they had all every day of the year including leap day in like a bingo machine and you know numbers one through 365 and that was your draft number as your birthday. They randomly yeah. select a birthday. And so we sat there and the teacher went down in the order of birthdays and at the end said, how many of you would go to Vietnam? And then she said, you know, it was like like 20 out of 25. And she was like, four of you would have come home. Think on that. Have a good day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. How class, old were you? Class dismissed. Uh, how, how old were you? I, I was 17. This was senior year. Okay. Oh, okay. I no, thought this I was like, like I no. thought this was like middle no, no. school. No, no, you said you said childhood, so I, I immediately went like, okay, he's eight. Oh yeah, no. he's a he's a seven year old kid. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, yeah, I got kneeling down to the children like, and four of you would have come back home. Yeah. <laughs> Class dismissed. Go home to your mommies and daddies. <laughs> yeah, talk to your folks about that. <laughs> that was that was the thing with all of these people, and this was right after the draft started the draft started i want to say around 68 and then it went through to 75 because that, that was mm-hmm. kind of when the war ended um so not 90 percent of the people that's a made-up number but 90 like, like most of the people there didn't want to be there they were forced to be there it was you know run to canada go to jail or go to vietnam yeah and then if they did come back once they did come back they were treated like shit too. Yeah, because people didn't understand quite the situation over there. Yeah. Because but Which on face terrible. on face on face value, it's like you fucking lost. You oh, know, well, it's like like the the hippie movement too, where it was like oh that so too, and so they just got treated like dog shit. Yeah, and like, yeah, ah, it's it's a terrible and tragic story. Which I don't know. It's kind of a gray area because yeah, it's like well, you did some terrible shit there. Maybe you should, you know, like be criticized, but also, you know, we, we, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not super helpful. I think to generalize every soldier's experience. And I think, I think the thing to remember, first of all, is, is I think the, the reason why that situation happened is because humanity doesn't like uncertainty. They like, we like as a species, black and white, right and wrong. definite. Right. And I think, the Vietnam War is one of the most gray things in history. Yeah. And that, that's where I think the problem began. And then the other side of it is the vast majority of the people over there not only didn't want to be there, but they were put in a situation where if they didn't shoot back, they'd be killed. 
because the people on the other side didn't care if you wanted to be there or not you were there and they weren't and they didn't want you there yeah it's like it was like this and i would i even think still like the war on terror is kind of the same thing like your enemy can be anyone anywhere and so there's that kind of uh fear of that and i think sometimes that fear can be very misplaced but i think also it's very understandable why a lot of people feel that way because yeah it's like if if you even like you know let your guard down for even one goddamn second you could be killed yeah yeah and i think something an interesting thing to remember and I, I think the best example of this is way farther oh my god i just like flung my headphone wire um nice <laughs> if you uh if you go way farther back in history to the christmas truce in world war one where christmas day the germans and the americans climbed out of the trenches and had lunch it's the difference between the people starting the wars and the people forced to go actually fight them. Right. Yeah. Like, are you, are you, and it's, I guess like anti-war versus like anti-soldier. Yeah. Like you can be anti-war and hate war. Yeah. War's a terrible, war sucks. (laughs) You can, (laughs) war sucks, dude. And you can quote me on that. War fucking (laughs) sucks. That's going to be the quote for this episode, Hunter. (laughs) But, but, soldiers don't you know what i mean it's like i don't know there's a lot of gray area like we're talking about yeah and i think like you know in a lot of ways soldiers are pawns you know soldiers don't you know what i mean it's like top men who have their ideologies and have their ideas about what they should do uh you know how to fight how to do this whatever to conquer whatever they're trying to do and then there's the soldiers who have to actually do it and so it's like So it's it's just interesting that you know we have that opening scene with the with the guy telling uh sorry what's who uh, Charlie Sheen's character's name is I'm not Charlie know. Sheen sorry uh, <laughs> God, uh, God damn it <laughs> uh, Martin Sheen's character what's his name uh, let me see uh, yeah I'm drawing it up Captain Benjamin so. winning. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know nothing's loading it's benjamin something benjamin something wait a minute you um, guys talk Benj- you guys talk while i try to look him up well you know that early scene when he got his his mission that was something we were talking about the other day quite a lot um is you had the people running the war who were like sitting back at base in a fucking trailer with fans and like home cooked meals. Like, Harrison Ford's there. <laughs> yeah, dude, that dude. I was fucking. I was going wild when he showed up. I was like, he's bro, in this. Bro, he's in this. He he's in this movie. <laughs> and you know what's funny? George Lucas was originally set to direct this. That's right. Oh my God. That's right. It would have been a real regular Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> dude, the movie would have been so different. Oh, dude, it would have been like, I mean, I love George Lucas, especially, you know, his early stuff. But like, it would have been so much cheesier. Yeah. Yeah, it would have. It would have. So thank, thank the movie gods that George thank Lucas did up, exactly. uh, directing this. But that's why I, I thought it was so funny that Harrison Ford was in it because it was like... Okay, I got it, folks. Benjamin L. Willard. Willard! But but I like to call him just Ben. Yes, ben. <laughs> so let's just say Ben. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh, John. I'm John. Oh. I'm back. 
Uh, sorry, that's a lost reference. Yeah, um, a lot. We we have to make one apparently every. Yeah, yeah, one every every episode we have to do one. I was lost actually reference. I was actually thinking about that today. I was like, man, those lost episodes are part of me now. They're part of me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, we were talking about what, just like uh, 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 generals and versus soldiers and what. Yeah, like when, you know. when he was back receiving his orders. Yeah, a big ass plate of prawns that you know I'd be thrilled to have for lunch any day. Yeah, but the heads though. You know what? Take <laughs> it from someone who used to be a line cook. If you're not if you're not cooking those heads and sucking out what's in them, you're not eating shrimp. It, that's the best part. Like Damn. you gotta get ballsy, but like All right, all right. Like I don't know if uh, lops. I don't know if uh, <laughs> But like seriously. <laughs> If you guys eat lobster and you pop open the head, there's all that stuff inside of there. It's yeah, the green the goo it's stuff. It's the best part. It tastes more lobstery than the rest of the lobster. It's really good. It's Ugh. not pretty, but if you're if you're willing to go for it, if you can get past the way it looks, you, it, it'll change the way you eat lobster. All right, yeah, who, Jacob, who, who we'll am I? We'll <laughs> have to have you on again for a. For like a chef movie or something like sure. that. Yeah, chef. John Favreau's chef. I love that movie. <laughs> <so much. laughs> or or how about a how about a Shark Tale? Oh. <laughs> so Martin Scorsese's in it. Okay, it's cinema. It's cinema. He's a blowfish in that in that Is movie. Is he really? He's a blowfish in that oh movie. Then Martin Scorsese can't say anything about those Marvel movies. I well, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually kind of is the same discussion because Francis Ford Coppola kind of said the same thing. Like he's like, "Oh, I hate the Marvel movies." <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, he he kind of jumped in on that bandwagon because you know it's like Scorsese, Lucas, uh, Coppola. Like those were like, and uh, some other fourth guy. Um, those were like the the main you know directors of the sixties, seventies. You know, they were the the mm-hmm. kind of you know guys making all the out there out of the box movies you know and so uh it's interesting uh to talk about that for this movie because yeah i would wholeheartedly agree that it's it's wild and out there and i and i would say we still haven't seen a movie quite like this uh ever and and, and, uh, yeah yeah no i i agree i I was thinking that while watching it i was like the movie kind of pushed the narrative a little bit and like nobody has like taken on something quite like it and mm-hmm. i i noticed that while watching it i was like man like i don't think you i don't know i don't think that you could do something like this and every detail of it was, it was so I, at least i have to imagine was so calculated i mean that was something i noticed um was the use of smoke and the colors they use so they're in in the vietnam where they each color had its own significance for a right of yeah men friendly i mean green men friendly yeah there was like a pink one too that's what I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. If you notice, once they cross the line into Cambodia, you only see purple smoke. Purple smoke was, and, and we were we were kind of wavering back and forth talking about it yesterday, but it either meant medevac, so it meant someone got shot and they need to get out, or it meant hot landing zone, which meant if you're going to put a helicopter down here, you're going to get shot at. And if you um. notice... This purple smoke, there, there's a wall of purple smoke behind Colonel Kurtz's temple for the entire last third of the movie. It's even billowing out of the doors at times until Colonel Kurtz gets killed. And when he leaves the building, the smoke's white. Right, because, it, you know, you can kind of uh, interpret, you know, well, not interpret, it's what he wants. He wanted kind of him to 
and his people to get obliterated. Yeah, and and I think one thing that I love so so the, this this myth of Colonel Kurtz that they build through the whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 kind of haunting because like obviously I was like, oh, that's Marlon Brando, like he'll show up eventually. But like I was like waiting yeah. and waiting, kind of like the main character. I was just like kind of obsessed, like when are we gonna meet this guy? Yeah, because <laughs> like and, and before we even get to him, uh, Marlon Brando. Let's also just talk about not Charlie Sheen, uh, Martin Sheen, <laughs> uh, his character, Ben. And and I think how important it is to see, I think the opening scene is one of the most important parts of the movie because you see him for who he truly is before he kind of gets back into that facade of like, okay, I'm, I'm a soldier, I have to be serious. He's like dancing half naked in his hotel room. Just yeah, and I'm like, and it's like obviously like kind of like Haha, that's weird, but also you're there's like a a part of you that's like that's really fucking sad. He's like hopped up, you know. He's he's like downing a whole bottle of whiskey. I I mean you you can only interpret, but when they pan across the desk, I noticed this time a Zippo next to a spoon. So interpret that how you want to interpret that, but right. Um, and this was an interesting conversation because while this wasn't the commonality of the people who came back from Vietnam, there was a certain amount of people who came back horrifically mentally scarred by it for, for very good reason. And I think, of course. And I'm, I'm mentally scarred just by watching the movie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was traumatized <laughs> just by watching yeah. this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think I need to dance in my, uh, in my bedroom right now, just to kind of get over what I just yeah. witnessed. Yeah, so, so, somebody put on the doors. Okay, let's uh, let's get weird. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Mm. Also, the, the soundtrack, dude. Like we got the oh, doors, yeah. the Rolling Stones, and a CCR cover. I mean, come on now. Incredible. On now. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great. It was a great soundtrack. It's and also, yeah. my favorite part when when the, <laughs> when the when the women come out dancing to Susie Q. Come on! Oh now. my God! <laughs> Come on, dude. Now. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that part because at, at first I was like, "What's the point of this? Like, is it just a do we just need a break and we need to see some titties or something?" But like, but 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 then but then they they kind of pull the rug out under us and show you like what would really happen and what probably did happen a lot during those kind of shows. The men got uh, too horny, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, the men got too, you know, the men got, you know, uh, too crazy, as it usually happens at the end of those kind of shows. And they kind of just like, you know, helicopter away. But it's hilarious because it's like it's a critique, obviously, on, you know, how those shows go down. But it's also just like a really mm -hmm. funny scene, too, yeah. just to it's just really to see how just see how crazy these men will get for like a skirt. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and also like you're in the middle of a war zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. It's so, I thought it was so weird. I was like, oh yeah, like I knew like there was performers that would come to perform for the troops and stuff like that. But like in that context, I, I don't know if I knew that. Because at the end of the day, it's the military paying for it. And I don't think, I don't think the government would be too, too keen on paying for a stripper. But um, yeah, the shows did happen and it was a thing for like, I think it was a nod to just the loneliness of it. I don't think it was the most... Mm. It, it certainly wouldn't have gone over the same way if it, if it had come out now, but... Oh, uh, yeah, this would never happen exactly. now. It would not have flown. Um, oh, it'd get canceled the minute, like, it. not even, it didn't even come out yet. They just filmed it, and somebody leaked it, and now the movie's never going to come out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but but the idea. Which is um, a shame. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't even it's think the. I don't. No, no, no. I'm when I say like it would never happen. I I don't even think like movies would could still do that. It's a period piece. But like I'm talking about now, if they did it now, like in real life. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you can show, you know, very questionable things if it's, like, for a purpose in a movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think it's to, to, to show the, the extreme, like, loneliness these men dealt with. You know, th- this happened in a time period where when you were at home, men weren't supposed to cry. Men didn't touch each other. You know, you, right. you went out to work, you came home to your wife and your family, and that was it. You know, that, that's, what, that's what at least rich white uh, Christian American society wanted to make yeah. happen. And you had five guns in your pocket, you know, ready exactly, to go. Exactly, yeah. And, um, <laughs> but th- this was a, a, in Vietnam, it was like common knowledge among the soldiers. And they showed this a few times. Men were allowed to cry. Men were allowed to hold men. Men were allowed to sleep next to each other because you needed that. They were so like, you want to talk about something that, that people can relate to mid COVID. They were so unbelievably touch starved and emotionally drained all the time that if they didn't i don't know how any of them would have been able to make it through three months let alone a full year of work toxic masculinity really seriously <laughs> i'm not touch starved what are you talking about COVID's fine man COVID's fine it's fine it's, <laughs> it's fine, fine. <laughs> okay. i need to be touched <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh but uh i think uh martin sheen even though it's not the most showy performance of the movie, I think did a absolutely wonderful job in this movie. I, I think I obviously I've seen him in other stuff, but I think he, uh, you know, he stands out here and then in most movies he, he's been in, I think, because, because even though there's a lot of voiceovers for his character, I think there's, I think, you know, and, and it's great to get inside his head because without that, I don't know if we'd get a lot of dialogue from him, but I think even without the the dialogue uh the uh the, the scenes without dialogue with him are also equally great because you know exactly what he's thinking and what he's feeling and kind of the whole facade thing we I was talking about before is interesting because yeah like he'll say something in his voiceover which sounds fucking insane but then in real life he just sounds like a normal soldier guy like you know kind of noble guy you know just wanting to do his mission and it, it's just a stark contrast. And I think that's very much intentional. And I think it, it just goes to show not just soldiers in war, but I think people in general, you know, yeah. they, they have these thoughts that are interesting. And then, and then they, you kind of blurt out, you know, just like normal shit. And, you know, but as the movie goes along, you kind of see his thoughts materialize into his actions and his, yeah. and the way, you know, and, and I think that's super interesting that like, they even say it in the beginning of the movie, like, a man uh what is it a man has a breaking point and i think that was super interesting um because you know they're talking about kurtz they're talking about marlon brando's character but that can that very much applies to uh martin sheen's character as well and you know how you know he's kind of broken by the end of this movie and i think they he ends up in in an interesting spot by the end of the movie because i thought he was kind of going to become like the next leader of the group by the end of the movie. I was thinking about that. And I think that was absolutely Colonel Kurtz's goal because he knew he Mm -hmm. was going to come and he knew he was perfectly capable of flipping him to his side because he had done that once before. Mm -hmm. And, And they established that, but he's sick and dying. 
and he essentially like you know starves him from an inch of his life nurses him back to health and attempts to indoctrinate him and then lets him kill him clearly in a way that the um you know he sets it up they do that terrifying buffalo sacrifice thing at the same time which you know what's really fascinating that um that it looks so real yeah please don't tell me it's real it's probably i can't i can't imagine it was real it was it was real yeah Yeah, they got into like a lot of shit for that holy shit dude i felt it i was like I'm watching an animal die. Right? Like I was like, I shouldn't be watching this, oh. but 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 back of my mind, I was like, that can't be real. But it is. Mm, but it is. Good. Yeah, they got. I was hoping lot. it was. I why thought it was. Good. I thought. I thought you were gonna say, oh, it was a big puppet. But no, it's real. <laughs> now we needed George Lucas to fucking. That's yeah, we need to. We need a George. Lu- we need a George Lucas cut where he CGI's that fucking cow. <laughs> But, it would have been a puppet if it was George Lucas. Yeah, it would have been voiced, and it would have been voiced by Frank Oz. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> um, but but what, what we acknowledge, like the choice of oh. that specific animal, because in in Vietnam, those buffalo are aren't just like food. That's a farming tool. Like farmers who who lived and made their living off of the land needed them to survive it would drag the plows it would help them bring crops back in it was a life source oh by the way that fuck that that helicopter like uh bringing in the cow hilarious i that that must have been something they did i guess was that real that that must have been real that that looked real Ah. (laughs) they did some crazy shit in the 70s that would not fly now so jacob not only are you telling me that like oh yeah like it was food or whatever but this buffalo was a little boy he was a friend to him he's like yeah i'll help you with your plows crap yeah just the buffalo minding minding his own business and then i think it, i think can i be honest what a performance of... by the buffalo yeah but wait moment of silence for the fucking moment buffalo of silence for the buffalo dude. wait wait yeah yeah all right moving on thank you buffalo thank you buffalo um uh and and yeah i'm I'm waiting for that george lucas cut where the buffalo is voiced by frank oz all right um so uh let's kind of let's uh okay the elephant in the room let's 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 i think talk about marlon brando yeah uh, uh a crazy man in real life giving a, a crazy performance <laughs> yes um i heard that he like showed up overweight and oh, yeah. totally unprepared Yes. <gasps> well, here's yeah, the he thing that I that I heard about it. I, that's interesting that you say unprepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I did a little research, not a lot, uh, for this movie after I watched it, and yeah, like most of his lines are improvised. Yep. Really. Yep. What a crazy man. What a yeah, absolute. insane. And I I cannot. I don't know. I can't either condone or praise uh, what he the methods uh, by which he acted i guess but but however he is a brilliant performer and i think i think uh even though i this isn't like the most acting or acty you know kind of movie out there i think like once he's on screen it it becomes like a a a totally different experience and i and i love i love especially and i love the whole movie but i think the last third really cemented my love for it. I was like, for ooh, sure. this is fucking weird now. I like it. And that, what, Especially... what I loved with, with, with Colonel Kurtz um, and that, that whole character is, and granted, yes, part of the reason why this was done was to hide the fact that he 
showed up completely out of shape, which is completely unrealistic for that. But the shadow theme with him, which just furthered, first of all, furthered that myth. Like, okay, we finally get to meet him, but you don't see him once where his face is unobstructed. And then beyond that, so so you see ha- at least half the time, half of his, at least half of his face is covered the whole time he's on screen. Yeah, it's amazing. And then you notice when uh, Martin Sheen kills him and walks out and sees his entire army kneeling in front of him, he tilts his head to the side and half of his face gets swallowed in shadow. And for yes. a second, he looks like Colonel Kurtz and has to decide whether to become him or not. It's fucking amazing. Just, ah, it's amazing. That's yes. art right there. Also, that obviously, that very iconic shot of him coming out of the water in that scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. Martin Sheen. Like, obviously, that's iconic. I mean, like, I've seen that image everywhere. But it's so true. And, and yeah, I think the shadow thing is perfect because, like, the whole movie is about kind of like the duality of man, like good and evil and everything, because, and I want to get back to Marlon Brando for a second, because obviously in a lot of ways, Marlon Brando is the villain of the piece. He's insane, but, (laughs) but he, he's speaking some real fucking truths in this movie that like really like, kind of opened my eyes to this fucking whole uh, Vietnam War, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think um, I think artistically, he was kind of like a cautionary point of what happens if we keep doing this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's a kind of self-awareness to him, too, which I really like, that he knows he's lost his mind. Like, it's, it's, I, in- yeah. it's interesting that, like, you know, go back, I have a son, you know, go back and, like, tell him what happened i guess so so because what you said it so it doesn't all repeat itself and i think um oh boy where was i going with this totally lost my train of thought oh my god yeah yeah it's all right um you you know what i really liked about marlon brando is when he showed up as live action shrek (laughs) did you catch that dude yeah Yeah, dude he's his face is all green he pops up (laughs) I bawled, dude. This I'm is laughing. this is the Shrek reboot, live action reboot that we need. Yeah, this dude. This is the Shrek reboot we deserve after this year. Oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> But yeah, uh, and you know, obviously, he, he he sees himself as right, and so it's interesting to see him like kind of be like, "I'm free, okay? I mm-hmm. can do whatever I want." No one can judge me. I can't judge me. And it's just so interesting to see him do these terrible things. But like, yeah. you know, him seeing himself like kind of be like, it's all right. I, I, I kind of, I, I forgive myself right now. So it's okay. And it's but like, think, oh my yeah. Lord, this is just like chilling. Like, mm-hmm. like, I think that's the the biggest success of his character. He's terrifying, but he's also kind of right. <laughs> and, and what I think what, what makes his character so powerful is that, and th- this is where, what I lost and now just refound, is that he's the only person to acknowledge the horror of the war and actually use yes. that phrase. And not just that, but acknowledge the fact that, and this is, this is true, that the Viet Cong's willingness to completely toss morality to this you know that whole story about like inoculating kids and then coming up and finding like a pile of their inoculated arms on the ground well i don't think that ever happened it wasn't (laughs) far off no the kind of Mm -hmm. things that side like that's why it's so great like that's the kind of things the other people yeah horrific stuff horrific not just to us but to their own people 
Yeah, which is why I think, uh, you know, uh, back to Francis Ford Coppola's quote about, like, anti-lie. Like, yeah, like, if we, if soldiers or, or anyone about the war, like, constantly lie about lie to themselves about, like, yeah, we did terrible shit. We did this, but it was for the, but it was for, you, you know, the, for the good of America or whatever, right? Uh, yeah, Marlon Brando's like, Marlon Brando's like, it wasn't. And, it and it, and it's just such a, it's such a, it's something I, I desperately craved in this kind of movie and I got it. And it was just like, yes, like, I'm glad we got that kind of perspective, that side, that yeah. kind of, that, and it's perfect that it's the last third of the movie because it perfectly just cements everything, you know, the, the, the movie is trying to say, I think it's just brilliant and, uh, yeah, keep, keep going. Well, it's, it, it's interesting, um, that he's that he says all that stuff too but like he's also over here chopping people's fucking heads off so it's like well of course well that's that's what makes yeah. him such an intriguing bad guy is that yeah. like it's kind of like the joker heath ledger's joker it's like yes the joker's a terrible terrible person and you know he's 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 doing absolutely terrible things but you know he has those monologues where he's kind of like saying hey you know what's really important here and and it's like yeah that's kind of true i mean like I don't condone what you're doing, but I condone your ideas. Well, I, I think that whole um, monologue he gives kind of points points to the reason for his brutality, and it's because he he saw them do this horrific thing, mm-hmm. and he realized that will that we will never win because we have morals and we don't a because we we draw the line in the sand way earlier than they do, and because we don't have like the deeply rooted historical desire to win because vietnam's history they they before the end of the vietnam war they maybe had like 50 years where they were self-determined they were owned they were run by japan i I don't remember it was was either japan or china either they were coming in from the north or coming in from the ocean but they were run by one of those two countries for thousands of years and then they got rid of them and then they came back and reconquered them and then world war ii happened and then the french showed up and controlled them and then they got the french out and we showed up so they had thousands of years of occupation to drive them to 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 this point and we had what a a draft card yeah and i think that that was his point of that that they they're willing to go so much farther and are so much more invested in what's going on here that if we don't do that we won't win and i think that's why he does what he does it doesn't justify it yeah but i think that's why he wants to win so he's gonna go win the way he the way we would need to have acted right yeah to quote unquote win this war which i don't think there was any winning no No, there's no winning that war no yeah, that's really um, interesting. Yeah, and I also I just want to very quickly say like I when I mean like I I like his ideas I don't mean like I I like I like uh, you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to say I like him murdering people like that and I I just meant you know when he's speaking like because tr- Hunter I saw your face before and you were like huh oh no because um, I because I, I I knew that I was like. Oh, that's that's an interesting thing to say. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know what you mean, but also really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I I think when he's speaking truth about just like you, you know, uh, I think one of the, one of the best lines in the movie is one of his lasts where he says like, like oh, we, we what is it? It's I, I forget exactly, but I, something about like oh, we we, can, we talk about violence, but we can't have the word fuck on a airplane because that's 
obscene or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's really true. I mean, we, we glorify violence, but when sex creeps into anything, we're like, oh no, that we can't do that. Yeah. And yeah. also like he says, don't call me a murderer because you've done the same shit I have. And it's like, yes, that's, that is true. So like it, it, that's why, that's why I say his interest, his ideas are interesting. Not, not his, not his methods or his like really crazy thoughts, but like, but like that stuff like that is what is kind of so interesting about his characters. Like he's, he's on the cusp of being right. And that's why, you know, he's speaking some kind of truth about the matter of the Vietnam war, which is why he's such an interesting character. And I yes, think that's yeah. an interesting thing to talk about. And that's sort of like, he's horrible, but how, how wrong are the things he's saying? Saved like, it. Morally Saved it. wrong, but like, how... Like, I was about to get canceled. <laughs> but, but that specific point, um, you know, you think about, you go all the way back to the beginning of the movie with those guys in their trailer eating their roast beef. They were ordering the death of somebody over roast beef. And, you know, on a totally different plane, but they'll connect in like two seconds. Follow me on this journey. Um, mm-hmm. Anthony Bourdain used to tease um, uh, Eric Repair, who's a Buddhist who also runs one of the best seafood restaurants in Manhattan, La Bernadette. He used to tease him saying, I really hope you understand how much blood is on your hands. Because every time you call that supply company, how many fish are you killing? Like, I at least acknowledge the fact that I've, I have buckets of blood on my hands from the amount of food I've served. And and then he orders a steak. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think like self awareness is like the key like kind of term for his character. Like he's self aware in a in a haunting way, but also he's self aware. Yeah, he's the only commanding officer in the whole movie who faces and owns the blood that's on his hands. And I yeah. think that that's a major like. That's, I think, one of the ballsiest things about this movie is the fact that Francis Ford Coppola, less than five years after the end of the war, went, yeah, and this is what you did, and you refused to look at it. So look at it. Yeah. Anti-lie. Anti-lie. Exactly. Perfect. And I think that's what Colonel Kurtz was doing, like, in, in that message, like, at least I'm looking at what I'm ordering. Right. That's 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 really profound, what you just said. I think that perfectly... Uh, showcases or or perfectly explains uh the character of kurtz who if we had it you know this is a cold read but if i had an mvp it would be obviously kurtz because even though he's in it for maybe less than 30 minutes he's he stands out so much and then once again that last third is so good but i i do want to very quickly shout out uh dennis uh, hopper in the movie because he's so he's so funny in it and he's so crazy and it's it's like a manic performance and i've seen parodies of this character before and now i get it now i know like where where that parody comes from and so that was interesting to see i think like animaniacs did that once and i was like oh okay like hey man come on man what are you doing man you know it's just like oh okay now i now i kind of get that kind of caricature like that people do in parodies and stuff but but regardless of that i think it's a once again very you know not not a lot of screen time but it doesn't matter because it's so substantial and so entertaining but also chilling because he's like he's basically like a cult member you know like he's yeah. he's you know like and and obviously marlon brando's the 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 cult leader and so you know he's just kind of blindly following you know uh uh marlon brando and and it's just like really not just scary but also very entertaining to see just because it's such an entertaining performance yeah yeah, yeah. what i find kind of interesting kind of scarily 
relevant toward a certain uh, followers of a certain lead politician in our government right now um i wonder who you're talking about i wonder too is is um this guy follows around um, martin sheen through his entire time there trying to justify all the horrific things colonel kurtz did oh you're looking at the heads oh god you're looking at the heads well no no you don't understand he really cares about his people he really he just (laughs) flies off the handle sometimes and i think there's a big point to be made there not just today you know what fuck it not just today with trump supporters but um but with back then, the people who supported the government, it was Richard Nixon by the end of that war. And the only reason why he ended it is because he had to. Like yeah. Between the civil unrest <laughs> and between... We are, we are speaking mad truths in this episode. <laughs> like, like, this is going to be a, a doozy. <laughs> yeah. Nixon had to win. That's the thing. And He's not a crook. <laughs> I'm not a crook. And yet... He is. <laughs> exactly. Um, hot take? Not. Not even. A little, not even it's a not. It's not a hot no. take. So if whoever's mad at that, uh, uh, look in no, the mirror. No, no, nobody yeah. would ever. If you're mad at that, then you're wrong. Yeah, you're, you're wrong. just wrong. Sorry. Then, then don't listen to us anymore. You're wrong. I've never, I've never met anyone that's like, yeah, Nixon. Good. But isn't, Nixon, isn't it baby. Though, Nixon, how, baby. Like how history repeats itself. You have the people back yeah. then who voted for Nixon who went, he's not a crook. He's a great guy. Right. He be- it uh, kind of par- it kind of uh, uh, mirrors yeah. uh, today, doesn't it? Exactly. It kind of mirrors like, today. Like it's in public records. Like this man has failed at thousands of businesses and cheats yeah. people out of money. And it, I mean, like, wow, it really sounds like another guy. Huh. <laughs> i think i think that's why i don't know history is like weird that way and how it does repeat like it really does like nothing i mean not not to sound really bleak but yeah you're right hunter like it it repeats itself and nothing really changes and not to be bleak about it but it's kind of true but once again that's kind of like big picture stuff we got to as human beings as individuals we have to worry about you know the, the the smaller picture about like our people, our group of people, that's what we can like change as a society, not really like the big picture stuff. And I think, and I, yeah, I think, you know, by the end of the movie, I, I actually, in the middle of the movie, there's that really profound line, like the war is going to end soon. Right. Something like that. Like the yeah, war's going to end. Yep. And like, it's said like a couple of times and it, beca- it, you can tell the movie's trying to say like, every time someone says that it becomes less and less true. And it means something different. Like the first guy who said it, the um, I can't remember his character's name, but the guy who read, who led the air cavalry and to destroy that that town, he didn't want it to. Not only was that his paycheck, but let's be honest, he loves the smell of napalm in the morning. This is like this is like summer camp for him. He just blew up an entire village to go surfing, which didn't happen. But like, I get the point. Um, oh yeah, it's a it's a he's once again just saying again. Uh, uh, talking about him just like yeah what a great performance once again not a lot of screen time but like it, it's just really entertaining but also yeah terrifying Something yeah I, I think this movie does it, that, that's really interesting is it mixes a bit of and i've been thinking about this a lot because because my theater company was considering um doing the harry ape for a while which is an expressionist play um that there's there are flavors of expressionism in this like they're characters, but so many of them are these caricatures of larger groups of human beings 
involved in this political universe that was the Vietnam War and, and 1960s and 70s America. Um, that, that you had, you know, this, this, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, you know, shoot him up, drop the bomb kind of guy, aka like the extreme Republican side of America at that time period and frankly now. Yeah. Um, and you had everyone in between. You had the hippie surfer who was dropping acid in the middle of battle. You had the chef who didn't want to be there. Oh man. And by the way, who keeps that puppy after he kills the, uh, the people on the boat? Oh my god! I was I was trying to figure that out, and I think it's I think it's just his last attempt to hold on to whatever ounce of innocence he has left because he he doesn't want to be there any more than anybody else there wanted to be there. Right? Yeah, and I think it's it's just so because at first I was like it was kind of at first a little heavy handed, like oh it was a puppy, but also like I get it, like I I'm like oh fuck, (laughs) like they they were they weren't finding they weren't looking for a weapon they weren't trying to attack us they were just trying to get their dog yeah yeah and by the end i think the the surfer dude loses the, the yeah like, and the, we don't know why the, we don't know where that like, dog where goes where, where did it go fuck did that puppy go we and, need a sequel and, <laughs> where's where, the fucking dog <laughs> Airbud too Air <laughs> <laughs> wait wait yeah wait wait yeah Airbud apocalypse now <laughs> that's the subtitle (laughs) um yeah and so i think that that's very like how you said that he's trying to hold on to the the innocence and by the end he's like where the fuck did that puppy go where the fuck did i go where did my life go you know innocence is gone baby it's gone yeah (laughs) and what i love is that as they're boating their way like the last 30 seconds and and also the last words kurt said um, as they're boating out of Cambodia to go back to wherever the hell they're gonna go, all you hear is Colonel Kurtz's last words, which were the horror, just over and over. And that, as in, like, that's all they have to carry home with them is what they've been through and what they've left behind. Yeah, powerful last words by him. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, also, I would be I'd be ashamed if I didn't say what I thought uh, while watching the movie. Just like a, a funny thing that came into my head. I was like, it's like the Jungle Cruise. Ah, I, mean, I was thinking the same thing, dude. I was thinking the same thing. I, I was like, this is, I was thinking like, like in the middle of the movie, I think it was like when the skulls came up, like the, the skulls, like in the, in the thing, uh-huh. like, like on display or whatever. Yeah. Um, I was like, this is the worst Jungle Cruise ride I've ever been on. I was like, Hey, Disney, why are you making the Jungle Cruise movie? You have one right here, only it's war. On like, Disney Plus now. Dude, and I was like, oh man, when Disneyland reopens again, they should rename it Apocalypse Now Ride. The Apocalypse only no war. Now Without and, war. And to finish the ride, you in the finish and to finish the ride, you have to kill Marlon Brando. Yeah, with an axe. <laughs> which I think was an interesting choice. And I, I Yeah, with a knife too. Yeah, yeah, with a knife. And not with a gun. He had tons of those in that boat. He could have called an airstrike. They they established yeah. that, and they were waiting for him to call an airstrike. But instead, he went in with an axe. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because, and I think early on they they kind of foreshadow this too. When uh, I forget the character's name, but uh, one of the officers on the boat dies, and it's by a spear. Oh, that 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 killed me. When any I saw any that. yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, a spear. And especially because Martin Sheen was all like, stop shooting. They're like, they're throwing sticks. Yeah, it's just spears, whatever. It's spears. And And he gets killed by the spear. Hey, hey, 
Ben, this is how they fight, brother. Like, just because it doesn't look like how we fight, which, like, looks way worse, right? Because they're just, like, shooting into the fucking air. But, like, I don't know. I thought that that moment really, that moment hit me. Maybe yeah, it's kind of brilliant because, yeah, they're just, like, so cocky about it. Like, don't shoot. It's fine. Whatever. It's just a spear. And then dies in the, yeah. uh, from a spear. And so, and, and I think it, it goes back to the ending, um, uh, Martin Sheen killing Marlon Brando with that, with the axe or whatever, the knife, the axe. Um, and it just goes to show like, you know, that he's doing it in a very practical way in a, in a very different way than what he was doing before. Um, yeah. I think an interesting thing about that choice, I don't know how much like stage combat you guys do, but I, I do, I do like a lot of sword fighting because heck, why the hell not? It's fun. Um, hell yeah. but something they talk about is like, think about what kind of person would use the kind of tactics you're using. And the fact that like killing with a gun would have been easy he would have walked in pulled a trigger and walked out it would have taken 30 seconds and he could have completely separated from him separated himself from it but not only did he go in there with an axe he went in there with an axe and like went at it for like a couple of minutes he he chose not only to be up close and personal with the experience of killing someone but to spend time with it and do it brutally. And he had to be within, you know, two feet of it because he was using an axe. When he could have just dropped a bomb, when he could have literally called someone 50 miles away, rode a boat away and heard a a bang in the distance and never thought about it again. He chose to do the most personal thing possible. Incredible. Incredible. And I I think when that happens, you know, uh, him killing Marlon Brando and then we see the the um, buffalo getting uh, slashed. I was just thinking, you know, this is the perfect Thanksgiving movie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, on that note, uh, let's let's give our ratings and then uh, call it an episode. So, Jacob, uh, what is your rating and the final thoughts on Apocalypse Now? I mean. I'd have to give it like a five out of five. I mean, I think the artistry mixed in with the, with the bit of history that he threw in there is, is so specific and says so much. And I mean, we could talk hours more about this. It's, it's so, there's so much to unpack there. And I think just the ability to start a conversation that could span everywhere from history to arts, to modern politics, to old politics, um, just speaks to the validity of any work of art. It, it's so provocative even now. It, it stands the test of time. Great. Uh, I would also give it a 5 out of 5 or 10 out of 10. I think it's brilliant. I, I can't wait to sink my teeth into it even more because this is only my first viewing. Um, but yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I, and I think the best movies evoke a feeling. And this one evoked a very different feeling than I've had watching pretty much almost any movie it's kind of the ultimate war movie or at least the ultimate vietnam war movie um yeah i loved it yeah i i'd have to give it a uh, a nine and a half buffalo out of ten buffalo <laughs> uh, <laughs> um a outstanding movie outstanding performances uh by literally everybody involved uh nick you gave your uh slight mvp so i'm gonna give mine the guy that i forget his name i looked it up but i forget it uh the guy that played chef uh i thought that he 
incredible incredible oh, yeah. um, amazing absolutely my favorite character of this movie um oh and, and when I, he dies think, also like sorry I, I know we're we're finishing up but yeah, like yeah, go ahead but like the last scene of his when he's like i'm not here i'm not here i'm a i'm asleep i'm this is a dream like like he's just like once again we were talking about before like kind of uh uh not being self-aware and not be you know owning up or not being aware of anything that's going on and having having to delude yourself like that till the very end is just very sad anyway yeah um yeah just outstanding yeah nine and a half out of ten awesome so we all loved it that's great uh thank you so much jacob for being a very wonderful special guest i thank think you so much for having you, me this was of course awesome. yeah yeah man and we, we love to have you on in the future and uh, you made up you you made some brilliant points and I think you're yes. super smart super smart guy and and very talented as well and I and I hope to uh, we hope to see you again in the future and thanks again thank you yeah. thank you so much guys. yeah no Jacob great point like I think that people listening to this uh, will really get like a newfound respect for this movie and history uh, by listening to you uh, I thought that it was amazing uh, yeah Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thank you again, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can find us at NYC Actors Talk Film at Instagram. Uh, and also, we have a website, right, Hunter? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you can find our website at walkingpoem12.wixsite.nycactorstalkfilm, where you can find all of our episodes uh, and a little bio about how Nick and I met and how the show got started. And uh, uh, where can we find you, Jacob? Um, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, at actor Jacob Garwood. Real, real straightforward. Um, and if you happen to be on TikTok, I just goof around on there. If you want to watch a meme, it's Gar Sauce because I cook. So, <laughs> oh, so you're you're a regular saucier. And also, uh, you have a you just started a theater company. I did, yes. Um, it's called the Resilience Theater Group. Uh, the Resilient. Oh my God, I can't speak. The Resilience <laughs> Theater Group. Um, we do all of our shows totally um, virtually, live stream to YouTube. Um, we have some cool things coming up that should be announced soon. So you can find us on Instagram at, at the Resilience Theater Group um, and on Facebook as well under the Resilience Theater Group. And yeah, keep an eye out. We got some pretty exciting stuff coming up. Awesome. Thanks again, Jacob, and thank you for listening. Goodbye.